Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party dress. So why not rent the stuff you need for your home, too? The place to do it is errands. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love, online or in store. Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But if life changes, you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at errands. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details. Badass of the Week is an iHeartRadio podcast produced by High Five Content. The warrior prepares for battle. On goes the gleaming breastplate made of gold. Next, a sturdy belt with a scabbard resplendent with ivory and silver, holding a mighty sword that will fell many foes. With a firm left-hand grip, the warrior grabs not only a sturdy shield shaped like a half moon, but also two long spears. And with the right hand, a battle axe of their own invention. Adjusting the straps on a crested helmet, the warrior grabs bow and arrows and jumps astride a horse that was a gift from none other than the wife of the North Wind. This warrior's father is Ares, the god of war, and her name is Penthesilea, the queen of the Amazons. And she's here to kick ass and chew bubblegum, and bubblegum hasn't been invented yet. Hello and welcome back to Badass of the Week. My name is Ben Thompson and I am here as always with my co-host, Dr. Pat Larish. And Pat, the bubblegum hasn't been invented yet. I, was, I like it. <laughs> that was fun. Glad you liked it. <laughs> I had to specify bubblegum because in like we're talking about ancient Greece and they had chewing gum. It was the resin of a tree called the mastic tree, but it wasn't bubblegum. So I needed to specify that to make sure the joke worked with footnotes. Well, I'm glad you didn't include all of that in the cold open. <laughs> <laughs> it would have lost a little bit of momentum. <laughs> yeah, we would have. We would have. Well, we are talking today about, I mean, as we could tell from that from that intro, uh, we are talking about warrior women. And I mean, I feel like warrior women are having a bit of a resurgence in, in pop culture recently. We're seeing a lot more like 
female action heroes and female-led uh, you know, movies and things along that nature. And I, I think that's great. And I think that it's not necessarily even that new. Warrior Women is a story that has kind of fascinated humans forever. Yeah, totally. The stories that people tell, like some of them are closer to historical reality and some of them get a little more legendary in the telling. Some of them get fictionalized. They've got all sorts of pop culture things like Marvel movies. We've got uh, the Lord of Rings, Rings of Power with Galadriel that's come out mm -hmm. recently. Yeah. And like people have their opinions about it and whatever, but like this is the kind of this is a story that has that has always kind of enthralled people. And yeah, like you said, some of them are grounded in reality, like a lot of our myths are, right? Like Galadriel has a sword in the Rings of Power and people are mad about it. Right, because girls can't hold swords. Right, because yeah, girls don't fight. I mean, okay, yeah, there might be other reasons to criticize Rings of Power, you know, I mean, it's... People just are professionally mad on the internet. <laughs> people just professionally yeah. have a problem with everything. Yeah. But, you know, also... This is bullshit because there are women warriors in history that we can prove yes. existed. Yes. And yes. And there are badass women action heroes. Yes. All the time. <laughs> yeah. Either it's fiction and hey, it's a made up world. So, you know, whatever. But also, it actually is plausible that women used weapons and might have been good at it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. I'm going to be talking about the Valkyries later, and we're going to get into some of that today. Uh, you're going to be talking about the Amazons, Pat, and and we have like archaeological evidence. We don't have like a lot of like written stuff, but there is some archaeological evidence that points to this maybe going the way of the the Troy thing, where we all thought it was a myth, and it turns out actually we found the city. You know? Yeah, there's there's actually a lot of archaeological evidence, and you, know, you Ben, or you. Our beloved listeners are interested in the Amazons. A lot of what I'm going to say is uh, derived from Adrienne Mayer's book on the Amazons, which came out a few years ago. And she puts together um, a lot of the archaeological evidence and then also a lot of the, the stories that were told that were passed down and a lot of the stuff that we see in art, like on vase paintings. So um, the Amazons weren't just an idea, um, or maybe the idea of the Amazons was inspired by actual women of nomadic cultures that lived in the steppes of Eurasia, in the Black Sea region. And the name Amazon maybe didn't apply to a specific historical group. We're talking about cultures that were like called the Thracians or the Scythians and some other cultures in that general area. And over the decades, archaeologists have found tombs of people they have identified as male warriors because they were buried with weapons. But in recent years, DNA testing has shown that a significant fraction of these remains were chromosomally women, according to the DNA. And also, a lot of these uh, skeletons show evidence of injuries that are typical of injuries you would sustain in combat. So, I mean, okay, yeah, this is circumstantial, but if it walks like a duck, if it talks like a duck, okay, we've got women out here fighting. Yeah, yeah, and we run into that in some of these Viking cultures as well, right? Um, the Vikings, it's very difficult to separate their mythology from their history because they incorporate them in together and it gets a little bit messy, but there's stories of shield maidens, right? Which that's, uh, they were women that fought with, uh, fought alongside the men and um, King Harold Wartooth, 
We're going to get into some really fun Viking names later, but King Harold Wartooth went into the Battle of Braval with 300 shield maidens, apparently. And uh, we have found Viking burials of, of women with weapons. And it's kind of what you said as well. Like at first they were like, this must have been the wife of somebody who was a warrior because girls don't fight. But um Maybe they did, and maybe there's something to the stories of these of these Vikings and these Amazons. My wife is six feet tall, and I watched her beat up a dude once. It was pretty fun, you know. <laughs> it's a story there. I, mean, I don't, don't want to. I know it's possible. I've seen it done. <laughs> there is a lot of historical evidence for a lot of these things. The information that we have that is the most prolific are the myths, and they can tell us about uh, the role of women in these different societies and civilizations. We're going to talk about Valkyries, and we're going to talk about the Amazons. And while a lot of this is going to be kind of rooted in mythology, a lot of the history of this stuff was uh, was lost to history. And while the archaeological evidence is still developing, uh, we can look at these myths not only as being awesome stories and being, you know, the, the ancient Greeks versions of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but also as an interesting insight into women's roles in these different societies and also maybe a look into what could have happened in real life. And so, yeah, we, we might not know the real stories, but the myths will give us a hint. We're going to talk about a few of them, uh, and we're going to start with uh, Penthesilea and the Amazons right after this. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party dress. So why not rent the stuff you need for your home too? The place to do it is Aaron's. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love, online or in store. Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But if life changes, 
you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at errands. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details. So, hey, welcome back. So when people these days hear the word Amazon, they either think of a, uh, a certain online retail conglomerate or they might think of Wonder Woman. And the thing is, the Amazons, or the cultures that gave rise to the legends of the Amazons, were actually ordinary people leading ordinary lives, but in a culture and in a context and with reasons that were very different from those of the ancient Greeks who wrote about them. I also want to make clear, I'm starting from the point of view of the ancient Greek sources. There are other historical accounts and epics and sagas from the Caucasus mountains. There are even accounts from as far away as China. And we even hear of Amazon-like women in sources from Egypt and other places in North Africa. But the most influential sources for the, I don't know, stereotype or the myth of the Amazons, as I think it's made its way into pop culture today, is definitely the Greek sources. What we know, not only from cultures who've written down and passed down oral traditions throughout the generations, but also from what we know of how nomadic societies work, you do a lot of hunting and gathering and foraging, and basically everyone has to contribute. I mean, obviously everyone's invested in survival of the community. And what this means is that people of any gender are going to be out there on horseback. People of any gender are going to be learning how to hunt. People of any gender are going to be learning how to use weapons and that attitudes around like marriage and family and child rearing might be different from a very sedentary society. So like in ancient Greece, especially in like classical Athens, if you were a woman, you expected to you get married, have kids, stay in the household, stay out of the public eye, kind of do domestic things in a domestic sphere. And these nomadic cultures whom Greek sources heard about, you have women who are riding horseback, who are shooting bows and arrows, who are getting tattoos. I mean, that makes this makes a lot of sense, though, because, I mean, if the, the tribe is on horseback and they're moving, right, they're bringing the women and children with them and the, with the warriors, and they are not settling in any location, there is no home for you to go home to. There is no house for you to, like, stay inside. You're not going to ride horseback with the rest of the tribe uh, in some big frilly dress or toga or whatever. And I, I could imagine that being like very jarring for the city-state people, the more quote-unquote civilized people who have this kind of much more urban lifestyle set up, right? Even people on a farm in, in rural Greece wouldn't understand the lifestyle of a Mongolian horde, right? Yeah, and these horseback nomadic cultures would look at, you know, a culture that builds lots of houses and structures their life around houses as weird also. Yeah, weird and soft, right? They, you, know, you don't have you yeah. don't know how to hunt. Like how, how do you live? You just buy food at the store? What's that? Whoa. Yeah. I mean, ironic that Amazon becomes the name for uh... people being lazy in their house. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm trying to be non-judgmental here. So I think an anecdote that illustrates uh, some of these things 
is a story that we get from Herodotus, you know, the Greek historian, who he tells us about this interesting moment where some nomadic women, whom he refers to as Amazons, and I'm just going to roll with that, were captured by some Greeks, and they were taken captive and put on ships. They managed to overcome their captors. One thing led to another, and they end up in the Sea of Azov, which is the territory of the royal Scythians. And the story goes, the Scythian men were like, whoa, who are these women? It occurred to more than one of them, oh, we would like these women to bear our children. Our sons shall become strong warriors. Yeah, I can, I can, see, I can see it. I'm, I won't lie. Yeah. Okay, you know, yeah. So what they decide to do is let's move a little closer to the Amazon's camp. Let's see what they do. If they attack us, we'll retreat. If they don't attack, maybe we'll move a little bit closer. Can we establish uh, quickly where Scythia is? Because I always picture it as like, it's north of Greece. It's not quite that far. Uh, I always kind of picture it as Ukraine, honestly. You know, that's that's not wrong. Like the steppe areas north of yeah. Greece, kind of, right? Yeah. What's the um, origin of the word Amazon? The way the Greeks explain it, the word Amazon means without a breast. Right. There's that story about the Amazons were great archers, but the only way that they could be great archers was if they cut one of their breasts off. Which doesn't actually make sense. Lots of women shoot bow and arrows today without having to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So first of all, the word Amazon might not even be Greek in origin. It might be a Greek like reinterpretation of a Caucasian word. And Caucasian is a language spoken in the Caucasus region. It's related to, like, say, the Georgian language. I mean, Georgia, Tbilisi, Georgia, not like Atlanta, Georgia. And that word, the word that the Greek sources might be like misinterpreting is um, maybe forest or moon mother or something like that. But it sounds just enough like the Greek words for no breast. The origin of that myth to begin with, huh? Yeah, yeah. You know, like you hear something and you make up something about it. And so another theory is that, you know, if a woman gave birth to a kid, she wouldn't nurse the child herself. She would milk her horse and give the kid mare's milk, hmm. like instead of baby formula or something. Sure, right. Okay, so maybe it means not breastfeeding. My favorite theory is that it actually comes from that Circassian word, meaning forest or moon mother, and it just got interpreted to fit whatever preconception. Which happens all the time when you're looking at, especially like Egyptian stuff that the Greeks were talking about. They kind of bastardized a lot of those words, and it's fine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's get back to these Scythian dudes. Scythian dudes? Yeah. I always thought Scythian, but Scythian dudes who uh, have no game and are trying very, very hard to get these very nice, very deadly Amazonian women to, um, to talk to them. Okay, so they're not getting a no signal. So individual dudes start approaching individual Amazonian women, and I'm just going to like make up a an Amazon woman. Let's call her Melanippe. You know, maybe she has a friend, which we name the friend. Tota. Okay, so Melanippe and Tota. They're going out, they're like doing their Amazon thing. Maybe there's a Scythian dude, and I don't have a name for him, sorry. But they don't speak the same language anyway. Oh, I'm Vladimir. Vladimir. Okay. So Vladimir and Melanippe, they catch each other's eye. And Melanippe says to her friend Tota, oh, I'll be in that thicket of trees over there. It's a sock on the doorknob kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And the next day, the Scythian dude. He brings a friend. So they're like a double date. You know, stuff happens. You know, one thing leads to another. And after a certain point, you know, the Amazons are 
at least some of the Amazons are with child. So the Scythian men say, hey, we would like to marry you. We have families, we have homes, we have like a whole established society. Please come join us. And what the Amazons say in return is, no. <laughs> Thank you, no. Like, it's been great. It's been totally great. It's not me. It's it's not you. It's me. <laughs> well, yes. You want to put us in these houses. You want to like tie us down to these like family structures that are not our vibe. We want to be able to roam free. We want to be able to ride our horses. We want to be able to, you know, raise our daughters in the same with the same skills as we raise our sons with. And so the I guess the Scythian men go away, and uh, this is supposedly I guess how the Amazons kind of sort of merged with the Scythians, kind of through this you know baby having thing. Yeah, in the the continuity of this story, it is a group of like badass warrior riding women on horseback from unknown origin who. At some through some nefarious means, find themselves captives of the Greeks on a boat. They overthrow the Greeks, kill them all, presumably steer the boat to the closest place they think they can find, then hook up with a group of like warrior dudes, and then bail. <laughs> kind of badass. That's pretty awesome, yeah. actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love it. I mean, that's an awesome story. I'd never heard that one before, but that's that's fantastic. I love it. Yeah, so that's uh, maybe a, a way of thinking about the Amazons as like a culture. And then at least at the mythical level, one of the most famous Amazons is Penthesilea, who's an Amazon queen who murdered someone and had to atone for the murder. And the way she wanted to atone for the murder was to go and defend Troy against the Greeks in the Trojan War. Sounds kind of Herculean, honestly. Doesn't it? So Penthesilea, she and about a dozen of her fellow Amazon warrior women uh, went out to Troy because King Priam of Troy needed help against those pesky Greeks. And they fought incredibly valiantly. Penthesilea is in the thick of battle. And eventually she meets up with Achilles, who's the best of the Achaeans, you know, the top Greek fighter. And so they're facing each other. You know, Penthesilea is in full armor. She's got her helmet on. And Achilles delivers the fatal blow. As she's there dying, he removes her helmet and these long flowing tresses spill out from the helmet. He didn't know he was fighting a woman. Achilles, who's Greek, actually appeals to or makes a petition to King Priam, the king of the Trojans, to make sure that Penthesilea gets full warrior burial, full warrior honors, uh, because he has so much respect for her as a warrior on the other side. That's saying something because he's like famously a dick to everybody. And like in the Middle Ages, like there's some stuff from the 15th century where people basically write fan fiction. Mm -hmm. um, some of it's Achilles and Penthesilea. So anyway, so that's, yeah, those are the Amazons. One thing that I think of when you when you talk about this is um, I think of Atalanta. Oh, yes. So she has a lot of similarities with some of this stuff. So you get the story of Atalanta and um, uh, and Diana, like, you know, women in the forest with a bow and arrow. And they're, you know, mm -hmm. you can't marry them unless you beat them in a race. And if you lose, you die. Yeah. yeah. This kind of thing. So I imagine it's probably 
related in some way. Yeah, definitely. One other thing I've seen with the Amazons, I mean, Pethesley is the big one and we get the good description of her in the Iliad. And I had never heard the Herodotus one you went through. That was a really fun one. I've definitely walked through in the British Museum. They have a bunch of different um, friezes, I guess, that they stole from the Greeks. And one of them is this huge frieze of, of Amazons fighting, fighting Spartans. It looks like Spartan warriors from the movie 300 and it looks like centaurs and Amazons are fighting it. But it's just fan fiction, like you said. It's just this is cool looking centaurs fighting Amazons. Isn't that awesome? Right. It's it's a comic book, right? It's yeah. a yeah. It's what we're still doing today. Like This is a cool story and a cool idea and cool imagery. And, and I like looking at it. Yeah. So those are the Amazons. Like there's, you know, a more historical way of thinking about Amazons. And then there's the more mythical, often imagination driven, shall we say, version of yeah, them. I like that. And then the truth is probably somewhere in between. It's just a matter of how far each direction, you know. Yeah. That's kind of what we've been talking about is, you know, mythological warrior women that we have some archaeological evidence to suggest that this may have been, there may have at least been some truth to these stories, but beyond that, we don't know much. You were talking about the the Amazons, and, and I'm going to transition from the DC to the Marvel Universe now. We're going to go from Wonder Woman over to the new Thor movie, where we have a Valkyrie who's played by Tessa Thompson, no relation, <laughs> and we're going to talk about the Valkyrie. So yeah. we're going to get into that right when we get back. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party dress. So why not rent the stuff you need for your home too? The place to do it is Errands. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love, online or in store. Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. 
But if life changes, you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at errands. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details. Okay, welcome back. We are talking about mythological warrior women from history, and we're going to talk now about the Valkyries. The Valkyries are very Viking. I'm going to start with a, a story from one of the great Viking myths. There's a guy named Helgi Hundingsbane. He's called Hundingsbane because he is the bane of a guy named Hunding who they has a lifeblood feud with. And they've had this huge battle, dead Vikings everywhere, and everybody's getting their arms and legs cut off. You know, Hunding is killed, then Hunding's kids are killed, and Helgi is the last man standing. He's wounded and bleeding, but he's slain all of his enemies, and he's the last man sitting on a rock. The crows are there, and the carrion-eating creatures are there, vultures and crows and things. According to the story, as he's sitting there, the sky gets dark and he can kind of hear the thunder and the lightning and the flashes. And then he hears the sounds of horses riding and armor clattering. And he thinks, oh, maybe it's another army coming. Maybe I'm going to have to fight them all by myself. But then over the rise, over the mountain, he can see this host of like warrior women on flying horses. They're dressed in armor that's covered in blood and they're shooting lightning out of their spears and they're carrying swords and they've got long golden hair coming out of their helmets and they fly over and they're the Valkyries, they're the angels of death and they're gonna take him to Valhalla. And this is the imagery that we all love to see like airbrushed on the side of a band. And this is what we're gonna be talking about is the Valkyries, they are very, very awesome. Yes. So the Valkyries are kind of a quintessentially Viking myth. On the surface, the myth of the Valkyries is very, you know, these warrior women that ride onto the field of battle after the battle's over, and they choose half of the slain, and they bring the great heroes of the battle up to Valhalla, where they will dine with Odin in the afterlife. Viking afterlife is is kind of awesome. Viking afterlife is definitely like the most badass of the mythological afterlifes that I can think of. So if you die gloriously in battle, the Valkyrie comes and you ride with her to Valhalla, which is this giant golden palace up in the clouds where Odin is there in his hall. He has all the great warriors, of all the great Viking warriors who have died in battle. And um, they drink mead and they eat boar meat. And then they train by doing battle every day. They go out into the field outside Valhalla and outside the, the castle and they, they fight into the death. And then at the end of the day, they all resurrect back and they eat this awesome meal and they get drunk and then they go to sleep. And then the next day they come back out and fight again. It's all very Viking. It's all very badass. It's all very, you know, hair metal. Um, and the Valkyries are kind of a central role in that because they would take the dead uh, from the battlefield and bring them to Valhalla for this afterlife. They're very like, I mean, th the myth is awesome and I love it, but they are also like kind of quintessentially Viking constructions, right? This entire idea of, of, of fighting until death and then going to Valhalla and fighting forever is kind of... You know, the people of Denmark, Sweden, Norway, Iceland in the 800s was a hard life. It was a hard place to be. And these guys were, were just brutal and fatalistic and bloody. And, um, you know, there was a lot of great culture of these areas as well. But like, 
what they wanted to be known for at the time was, you know, striking terror into the hearts of the French and the, the British and the Irish and all of the people they were sending Viking raids after. And over the course of about 300 years, the Vikings, uh, they raided everywhere, including like the Middle East. There were some Vikings that attacked Constantinople once. There were some Vikings in North Africa. They were in Spain. Uh, they came over to to uh, to the New World in Newfoundland and Canada. And they all had kind of had these beliefs in these Valkyries. Yeah. So one of the difficult things when you're talking about Vikings is that there's not a ton, like a lot of what we know about them was written down after their time. They carved stuff onto runestone. Stones. They used a lot of what was known as kenning, which is the kind of thing where they would say the the steed of the sea, and that means a boat. But there were some that were so complicated that we don't even know what the heck they were talking about still. <laughs> Imagine a person like talking in like pop culture references and like, you know, emojis and stuff like, mm -hmm. yeah, might have made sense at the time. But there's some stuff that is like, if you don't know who this guy is or what he's talking about, like you might not understand what the heck is happening here. Anyway, the most complete version we have was written down after the end of the Viking Age. There was a guy named Snorri Sturluson who wrote down a bunch of the Viking myths as he knew them. And it's kind of interesting because I believe that the Valkyries changed a lot over the course of Viking mythology. But when you read the myths of them, you read them all at the same time because they were all written at the same time. At the beginning, they are kind of death goddesses. They are they are dark and scary and witchy and creepy and if you see one it's bad news right there's a there's a scene where some vikings are about to go into battle in in ireland and um these vikings this guy named brodier of man is marching towards the battlefield and he sees this house on the side of the road and there's these these three women there and they're they've got this loom and the loom is made out of like dried intestines and it's got uh fingers and skulls and blood and they're oh, yeah they're looming they're like weaving fate and they're singing this creepy song about how like everybody's gonna to die. Oh, that's nasty. You know, they say that to, to look at them was to stare into a flame. and That's intense. It's intense. Yeah, they're intense. They say that they, uh, they create the din of battle. They spill the gore and they bring rain and storms to battle. There was a Viking, you know, group of women known as the Norns who kind of weave fate. They're kind of tied in with them. They're tied in with like slaughter and death. They present more as like the Furies, the Greek Furies or the Banshees or the witches in Macbeth. Mm -hmm. Dark, creepy, weird, scary, monstery. Yeah. Don't want anything to do with it. And also had an association with fate. Yeah. They kind of combine all of this stuff. And when we kind of go a little further along with them, like they are tied pretty closely to to Freya, who was was a Viking goddess, and she's kind of a complicated character. and And I like Freya because I feel like she and the Valkyries kind of represent a lot of Viking women in general. Viking women had a lot more autonomy and power than women in other places around medieval Europe at this time. Right? It's a time when when women's rights aren't like universally accepted but they are holding council positions they work which they're not allowed to do in other places in europe at this time they're building bridges they're planning cities they are running everything in town because a lot of the men will go off on these viking raids during the summer and they leave the women and the women run shit while these guys are gone right they kind of are the are the bridge between the athenian women and the and the amazonian women if we're going to call back to that yeah tons of runestones across sweden and norway that are like a 
attesting to the great works of women architects and writers and builders. We have some reports of these shield maidens, these women who went to war. There's a great story of a woman named Belinda who Vikings came to raid her town while all of her Vikings were gone. And so she organized, they were like a little worried because all these Vikings are coming to town and they're going to raid this poor Swedish village. So Blenda organizes all the women of the town. They meet these Vikings outside the city with beer and food. Uh-huh. And they give them beer and food. And these guys eat all the food and drink all the beer. They have this huge party. And then when those guys pass out drunk, the women kill them with shovels. Ooh. 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 Yeah. And she's a great hero of her people for doing this. Yeah. Yeah. This is Viking culture. And um, Freya, the goddess that you mentioned, what's her deal? What is she all about? Freya is interesting because the wife of Odin is Frigg. Uh, Her name is Mm -hmm. Frigg. But there's some some speculation that this might be some kind of game of telephone thing. They might have been the same goddess, but they're separated at some point in the history. And now they're considered two different things. Mm -hmm. So Frigg is, is basically... She's Viking Aphrodite. She's the the love, sex, fertility goddess, but she's also the leader of the Valkyries. She's also the patron goddess of like dark rituals and war. She's like the patron goddess of like Viking witches, Uh of the Norns, of fate. So she has this kind of, there were witches that would travel around Norway. They called themselves the Volva and they wore blue cloaks and they dressed in falcon feathers or wore cat fur to like honor... Freya, Freya could turn into a falcon and she had a chariot that was pulled by cats, which is fun. I Part of me wants to know, how do you get the cats to coordinate enough to pull a chariot? Whatever. Maybe that's what made her so badass is that she, yeah. could, she could literally herd cats. <laughs> yeah. Maybe she had one of those um, uh, fishing pole toys with like a, oh, yes. a toy dangling off the end and she was like, but anyway. There's a great story about uh, in Iceland, when Iceland, the, the, the meeting at which Iceland decided to accept Christianity over Viking paganism, mm-hmm. they had this big all thing, which was where all the leaders of Iceland would meet and like have this democratic vote on things. This guy got up and he was going to talk about, they, they wanted to, this is way later, this is way after the Viking age, we're talking like 1300 AD or whatever, CE. And this guy gets up and gives this speech about why we should adopt Christianity. And during the course of the speech, he calls Freya a bitch. Ooh, how does that go? The all thing gets together and they meet about this and they vote. This guy's right. We should adopt Christianity and get rid of the old pagan ways. But also this guy called Freya a bitch. So he's an outlaw now, which means like you have 24 hours and then it's legal for anybody in Iceland to kill you. Okay. <laughs> to avenge Freya's honor against you. <laughs> Do not insult Freya. Even no. if as a collective body, you have voted to not believe in her as a goddess anymore, right. you shall not insult her honor. You're not wrong. You're just an asshole. <laughs> no. So we start with these Valkyries being war goddesses, right? They're 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 doused in blood. They're carrying spears, and if you see them, you die. And then, as tends to happen with mythology and 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 warrior women in mythology, occasionally, like later on, you get the Scythian guys who are like, maybe if I sit over here, she'll talk to me. And the narrative for the Valkyries kind of changes a bit. So you start to get these stories of the Valkyries being attainable by great warriors as romantic interest. 
Uh, whereas before you were scared when you saw them later stories, it's like, yeah, but what if this, what if she was pretty? <laughs> what if she talked to me? Uh, so you start to get some of these stories later on where, I mean, the most famous of which is, is Brunhilde from the, the story of the ring. The ring Wagner's cycle of operas, not the ring J.R.R. Tolkien's thing. Yeah, and not the ring, the Japanese one with the girl that comes through the TV and kills you. Yes. Although I do want to, I do want to say one thing before we leave the realm of scary witches. There's a theory that in the original version of Beowulf, Grendel's mother is not a monster, but she is just one of these witches. Hmm. She's a she's an evil spellcaster. They never describe Grendel's mother as a as a monster. You assume it because Grendel is a monster, but there is some thought. And when you kind of look at the way that Valkyries are portrayed in more of like a and, and Freya are portrayed in the more like sinister magical way that like mm -hmm. it could have been a woman, a witch that created a monster. And uh, you know, it's probably a little bit of out there of a theory, but I do want to mention it because I think it's cool. Yeah. Like Grendel's mom might have been a Valkyrie. Hmm. I have to rethink Beowulf now. Yeah. Yeah. So Brunhild is the daughter of flame. She was a Valkyrie. When you say flame, is that a name or is it like of just of fire? She fire. Just, okay. Yeah. You can't burn her. She's invulnerable to fire. And uh, so she went against Odin because she fell in love with a Viking. Some brave warrior Viking won her over and she fell in love with him and Odin exiled her and and banished her, uh, imprisoned her in a mountain where she would sleep until a great hero came to rescue her. You know, we're starting to see some Disney, yeah. some Disney connections here that didn't exist. With... Is she surrounded by a ring of fire? She is surrounded by a ring of fire at the top of a mountain. It depends on whether you're looking at the Icelandic, uh, like the Icelandic version of the story or the German version of the story. Uh -huh. They're a little bit different. Yeah. But th this is the story of Sigurd or Siegfried. Mm -hmm. Sigurd is a great warrior who had to slay a dragon named Fafnir with a magical sword, which he does. And as he's on his way back, after having like avenged his father and to slay this dragon, he finds this mountain and he walks through the flame and he sees Brunhild and he falls in love with her and she's brought back from stasis and, and is going to become his wife. She teaches him runes, she teaches him magic, like Freya is very associated with magic and so are the Valkyries. Mm -hmm. Freya has her own hall, which is called Sesramir, uh, which we know nothing about other than that she has a hall called Sesramir. So it's possible, and like she takes some of the dead there, and we don't know why or what the qualifications are. All we have is one line about Sesramir that Freya has a hall named Sesramir, it's a little smaller than Valhalla. But like she takes some of the dead also. That's fascinating. <laughs> That's it. That's all we know about this. And it's possible that it's a mini Valhalla. It's possible the Valkyries live there. It's, a lot of things are possible and a lot of things are open to speculation. Anyway, with Sigurd, Sigurd gets Brunhild to fall in love with him. She teaches him runes. She teaches him magic. And then he, of course, does the Jason and the Argonauts thing and goes off yeah. and uh, marries somebody else because she's a princess and he wants to be rich. Dick move, Sigurd. Dick move. Dick move. It does not work out well for him either. Now, in Jason and the Argonauts, I mean, spoiler alert, Medea, the jilted girlfriend, actually winds up getting her revenge by killing the children that she has with Jason, which does not make sense to me, but it made sense to her. Like a piece of the Argo falls on Jason and kills him, which I love. Yeah. He's sad that his kids died and then like a piece of his boat falls off and squishes him and that's how he goes. Yeah. But Sigurd, what does she do to him? Oh, she lances him through the back and he dies. <laughs> okay. There you go. That seems a little more, I don't know, neater somehow than killing your own children. Yeah. It's a little cleaner. But then she throws herself into a fire and it does burn her and she dies. 
Um, there's a similar story of a group of a, a guy named Sigrun and a Valkyrie named Helgi. She's engaged to a guy whose name is spelled H-O-T-B-O-D-D, which I only read as hot bod. Hot bod. Which, but she doesn't like him. <laughs> no matter how okay. hot his bod is, she doesn't like yeah. him. <laughs> so Sigrun uh, is engaged to this guy, hot bod, uh, but she doesn't like him. And so Helgi says, oh, I'll defend you. And he goes to war. Helgi is, is Helgi another Valkyrie or is Helgi a dude? Helgi's a dude that likes her. Okay. And he's like, okay. well, maybe if I kill your husband, your, your fiance who you hate, you'll marry me instead. So he does. So she's there in the battle. She, she turns into a falcon at one point. She has a bunch of wolves come and bite people. Like she's in the middle of all of the fighting and they, they defeat Hotbod and then they get married and they're happy together. But then later on, Hotbod's son comes back and kills Helgi and Sigrun like curses him with Valkyrie magic so that no ship he rides on will ever have the wind in its sails. No horse will ever carry him when he is being chased. No shield he wields will stand up against an enemy sword stroke and no sword he wields will injure anyone but himself. Wow. Then she banishes him to some forest and tells him he can only carry in to survive. Okay. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty punishing there. Pretty punishing. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of interesting because with a lot of these stories, women that these guys are very interested in and they, they want to marry them. And sometimes they do. And these Valkyries do get married to these men at various points during these stories. But every one of these stories ends in death and destruction and horror and gruesomeness and people being banished and exiled and throwing themselves into fires. And I like to think that that's kind of because that is the Valkyrie nature, right? The Valkyries mm. are death goddesses and war goddesses and... You can't break that no matter how much you try. Yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, in a in a bleak kind of way, in a kind of horrific kind of way. Yeah. 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 But to tie it together, like I, I do kind of think that there is historical evidence we have seen for, for Viking warrior women. Yeah. Uh, Viking women buried with weapons and gear mm -hmm. and stuff and yep. and symbols to Freya and symbols to the Valkyries. And we do kind of see a lot a lot a lot with the Amazons as well. And and honestly, like if we're talking relative location to Athens, the Vikings are also warrior women from the north of Greece yeah. with the right color hair and the right uh, attitude. So uh, it's just interesting to just kind of see the comparisons between the different civilizations and yeah. what they teach us about yeah. the groups of people that wrote these myths down. Yeah. In conclusion, Galadriel can use a sword if she wants. She can totally use a sword if she wants. <laughs> That's all we got for you guys today. <laughs> Thanks so much as always for listening. We'll see you on the next one. Badass of the Week is an iHeartRadio podcast produced by High Five Content. Executive producers are Andrew Jacobs, me, Pat Larish, and my co-host, Ben Thompson. Writing is by me and Ben. Story editing is by Ian Jacobs, Brandon Fibbs. Mixing and music and sound design is by Jude Brewer. Special thanks to Noel Brown at iHeart. Badass of the Week is based on the website badassoftheweek.com, where you can read all sorts of stories about other badasses. If you want to reach out with questions, ideas, you can email us at badasspodcast at badassoftheweek.com. If you like the podcast, subscribe, follow, listen, and tell your friends and your enemies if you want, as we'll be back next week with another one. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. 
the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party dress. So why not rent the stuff you need for your home too? The place to do it is errands. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love. Online or in store. Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But if life changes, you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at errands. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details.